The Big Red Bench. Saturday and Sunday from 6 p.m. Cork's Red FM. Welcome to the Big Red Bench here on Cork's Red FM with me, Dan Casey. An absolute stacked and jam-packed hour for you today. If you're stuck in traffic at the moment, hopefully, hopefully I can ease the pain for you some bit. Commiserations to Cork's John Mitchell, who was defeated in the PFL MMA's lightweight championship at the Three Arena last night. I'm going to get straight into things now with a quick look at the results. Uh, Cork beat Meade in the football at the park. 3-12 to 1-9, the score there. The hurlers are also currently underway at the same venue. This, of course, all for the Teddy McCarthy Memorial Day. The latest there is Cork's 216, Galway 216. In the Premier League, Aston Villa 1, Arsenal 0. Tom Ross has a report from us from Villa Park. Aston Villa 1, Arsenal 0. Villa shocking Arsenal with a wonderful goal from John McGinn, the captain and leader. Bailey got down the right-hand side, sent it into the box, and there was McGinn to smash it past the keeper, Raya. Aston Villa 1, Arsenal 0. Brighton and Burnley played out a one-all draw in their Premier League game this evening. Sheffield United beat Brentford 1-0. Wolves 1, Nottingham Forest 1. Liverpool 2, Crystal Palace 1. Palace fans can feel hard done by after that one. It's Crystal Palace 1, Liverpool 2. The Reds take the lead are soaring towards the top. In the closing stages, Harvey Elliott with a beautiful solo run on the right side, on the Palace left, weaves inside of uh, Schlupp and tucks it into the bottom corner of Remy Matthews' goal. Johnston has come off with an injury. Palace are down to 10 after Ayu was dismissed for a second yellow card and Liverpool are continuing. As things stand, they're on Beaton Street. They'll stretch that to nine. It's Palace 1, Liverpool 2. Ryan Bromelow from Selhurst Park there and of course... How could we forget? Bournemouth had defeated Manchester United by three goals to nil in the Premier League this evening. Darren Stanage reports from Old Trafford. And an historic Premier League win for Bournemouth at Old Trafford as a woeful Manchester United side of well-beaten goals from Solanke, Billing and Sinezi. Well, have Eric Ten Hag scratching his head as his inconsistent side were well beaten by their lowly opponents. The visitors also had two goals ruled out and hit a post. A really shocking result for the hosts who offered little. Manchester United nil, Bournemouth three. In the Investec Champions Cup at Thoman Park, it currently stands Munster 14 Bay on three. Other results in the Champions Club include, include Bath's 37 14-point win over Ulster and Toulouse beat Cardiff 52 points to seven. On the show today, we'll be catching up on all the latest action after a great day in Parky Cueve for the Teddy McCarthy Memorial Games. And Rory caught up with Cork City poet Tony Tobin to talk about the release of his latest book, Rebel Rhymes 2, a rare occasion where the sequel is a better than the first. I'll get that chat out for you later on. But first, we are hearing from Tim Clancy after Roy made him in Turner's Cross on Thursday. The former Drogheda United and St. Pat's manager held a press conference at Turner's Cross where he admits that getting promoted in his first season is the bare minimum. Clancy gave the first one of one-on-one interviews to Rory. Let's take a listen. Tim, welcome to Turner's Cross. Um, I suppose take us back and... Let us know how you were approached for the job. What was your immediate thoughts when it was offered to you? Yeah, listen, I came out of the blue. Um, I got a phone call from the owner and he asked me, uh, was he about for a chat? So I said, yeah. Um, I went and met him and, and when he offered me the job, I, I didn't have to think twice about it. I think it's a massive opportunity. And uh, listen, I was delighted to, to get in and, and get the job. Big job, though, comes with its fair share of pressure, like football's religion in Cork, I suppose, and Cork City fans, I suppose, the most passionate of the bunch. Yeah, but you want to be in jobs that's uh, pressure jobs. Um, that's what gets you up in the morning and gets you excited. So, um, 
yeah, it's 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 something I'm really looking forward to. Um, the fans are very passionate. Uh, they're hurting a little bit at the minute, but that's for my job to turn that around and, and, and make sure that they have plenty of good nights next year. We know from experience here that the first division is quite hard to get out of, and it's probably going to be the same again next year. Yeah, it will be, uh, and that's that's why we're recruiting hard now in the off season. Um, we'll have a, a good pre-season, and uh, we have to be fully prepared for 16th of February and uh, ready to go to try and get start the season off positively and, and get a bit of momentum going, get the fans behind us, and and try and make it as enjoyable as we can next year to, to get out of this league. What's the pressure like on you to get out of the first division in your first season here? That's the that's the the only goal is to to win the league. It's the it's the, the benchmark that we have to look for next year and, and nothing below that won't be success so um, yeah there's pressure but that's, it, there should be pressure in a, in a, in a place like Cork City to, um, to win games and, and obviously to win this league uh, and be successful Talking about the squad you'd like to have for next season how many players would you like and all that well, so we'd probably be looking at maybe 14, 15 first team players a few loan players coming in and there's a there's a lot of talented young players at this club as well so we want to we want to have them involved in the first team so you'd be looking at maybe a squad of 20, 22 players including a few of the younger lads so um, yeah and that's, that's what we're looking at we want fit players we want ones that are, are really um looking forward for the opportunity of playing here and, and uh, building a career and being successful and, and that's the, the type of character we want as well and The players from last year's squad will there be many of those involved next season? Yeah we've been uh, we've been in working in the background to keep a lot of the players from last year uh, the right ones um, the ones who, who are hurting just as much as the fans um, and they're the ones that we want to keep and um, we hope we can keep them and, and then add to the add to the uh, to the squad from players from inside the league uh, at other clubs and also once we're further afield As regards style of football then Tim what can the City fans expect from your team next season? Listen we're going to have uh, we want players obviously the bare minimum requirement is, is ones that uh, work hard it's, it's, it's the one thing no matter what talent you have as a player you, you can control how hard you work on the pitch and um, that's obviously the bare minimum and after that I want players with, with pace and I want uh, players with individual ability in the final third to, to create and get, get fans off the edge of the seat and uh, we want players that are willing to run beyond and, and score goals as well so um, you've got to relieve the pressure of just the goal scoring from, from the centre forwards and, and try and get goals from all over the pitch and that's something that we're looking at. As I mentioned the supporters here are quite um, passionate in their support of the club what's the message to them heading into the new season? Listen we're going to be uh, we're going to be doing our utmost in pre-season to get ourselves ready for, for the start of the year and uh, it's up for us on the pitch now to, to give them um, something to see and encouragement to, to get behind us because when they are fully behind the team and, 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 and supporting um, there's no better place in this country to play football and that's what we want next year and um, we want all positivity and uh, that's, that's down to us as the, as the coaching staff and the, and the players um, to make sure the atmosphere in this place next year is absolutely electric When you look at the first division next season I know Galway and Waterford have gone up to the Premier Division but who are the, the standout teams I suppose that you'll be vying with for promotion? Uh, listen I think it's, it's right across the board it was very close last year um, you can see the the teams that are in the, the division again this year will be will be strong um, and again listen, I think there'll be, there'll be multiple multiple teams up near the top of the division and um, we've just got to make sure that, that we're, the, we're the ones at the top at the end of the season thanks very much cheers thank you yeah it's important to keep the right type of character within the squad the latest in Parky Cueve Cork 317 got away 18 points looks done and dusted there Brian Hayes uh, with the latest goal for the Rebels Cork City's potent residence Tony Tobin has launched his second book of poetry today. Rebel Rhymes 2 is the second compilation of his work as he writes about Cork City FC, his family and Cork football in general. The book is on sale in the Cork City FC club shop with proceeds going towards Mary Hospice. 
Rory spoke to Tony and the Forest chairperson, Declan Kerry, about the book. Hi Rory, very nice to meet you and Declan, always nice to meet my good friend Declan and thanks a million Rory, really appreciate it. Not at all sir. Thanks for having us on Rory. Tony, take me back I suppose to how you started writing poetry and why you kept going at it I suppose. Um, I'd say it was around the time um, my my grandchildren started arriving, you know. So... um, I was overwhelmed, to be honest with you. It was an absolutely amazing time. And um, so that was about uh, my eldest boy, eldest grandson. Now he's 14. So he, I'd say he was probably when the first the first time I started writing was for them then, you know. And uh, also, a kind of around a few years before that, I gave up, um, I gave up uh, alcohol, drinking stuff and cigarettes and going to the bookies, all stuff like that, you know. And I was looking for outlets, you know. I, you know, I, think it's, uh, I took up photography then, which was not an amazing thing. And um, I suppose when you're out in nature then and all that sort of stuff. But I, I was always like, I was always sort of write rhymes then for uh, the missus at um, Valentine's Day and stuff like that, you know. So it was kind of not time. I, I had nothing else to do, so <laughs> I started writing stuff. So do you always have kind of yeah. like a notepad around with you and when the inspiration hits you kind of just scribble a few things down? Oh my God. I had booked, I had these big jotters as we called them, you know, like uh, in A4. I had yeah. them everywhere. I took them on holidays with me. I had them up in the, up in the wardrobe, my own place. And um, funny enough, it was always, you know, we say 2.30, you know, 3 o'clock in the morning. I'd wake to go to the toilet, and next, and I'd have to have it next to me then, and I'd write everything down, or else I'd forget it, you yeah. know. But that, I just would hate. I'd hate in the next day if I ever forgot something. I said, "Geez, that was a good, that was a good line there." Now, but I, I would forget it, so I used to write it all down. But lately, now I hardly write anything. It's all um, on the phone, you know, and know send it off to Google Docs and. You know, you don't even have to type stuff now, which is even more amazing, you know. So, so. you just dictate it into your phone and get it written down as well. Yeah, that's exactly it, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then I used to send them off to this man here. I remember that. And he used to put the backgrounds on it for me, you know, like Charlie yeah. Maguire now and Liam Miller. And, like, that blew my mind then. I said, jeez, this is unbelievable. I asked him then one time to show me how to do it. And uh, he kind of said, So... I I started uh, looking at YouTube videos then and stuff like that and uh, I have um, I have uh, editing software there for the for the camera and all stuff like that so I was able to do it through that which I was delighted and I I wasn't denying Declan so much then because he was brilliant he'd done everything for me like all the background stuff designed everything and he's a uh, yeah, brilliant man. He's got patience. I don't know Declan, you're obviously <laughs> a key part in Tony's story in, in becoming a published author. Um, when did the idea to do the first book come about? And uh, I suppose how difficult the process was it? Yeah, geez, uh, Rory, I, I think it was back around 2018. Um, I was good friends with Tony for, geez, I'd say Tony, the last 10 years or more anyway. But I bumped into Tony at a match and um, I remember, I think it was a Munster Senior Cup final. In 2018, Cork City beat St. Mary's, I think it was in the final. And um, yeah, I was just chatting to Tony and uh, obviously I'd been familiar with a lot of his poems and, you know, he'd post them on social media and across Cork City forums and you know, some of them were very funny and witty and, you know, we'd get a bit of crack out of them. And yeah, we were just chatting away at the at the match and I asked him how many poems had he written now and he said, geez, I, I close to 100. 
I said, geez, you've enough for a book now at this stage. <laughs> and um, he said, geez, do you think we could put them in a book? And he just started kind of laughing yeah. about it. And one thing led to another anyway. And yeah, I said, <laughs> probably know me now, Rory, as soon as I get an idea yeah. into my head. Like, yeah. So I, I kind of got my teeth into that then. And I went home, did a bit of research into it. And um, yeah, I found out that you know we, there was a, a way that we could get Tony's book published and um, get his poems compiled. And yeah, the, I was... Um, Chairman of of Cork City FC then at the time when the book eventually got to fruition and you know Tony was generous enough to donate proceeds of the sales of the first book to the Cork City Academy and um, Marymount Hospice as well and he's um, he's gone forward doing the same thing now with this book again so donating all proceeds this time to to Marymount Hospice such a, a worthy cause and um, yeah this this one came about I I, I called to Tony's house last Christmas and uh, I remember. Um, he, say, he told me again he had about another 100 new poems again, so will we try and give the second book a bash? And yeah, here we are now, about a year later, Tony, I think it is. So yeah, it's a lot of hard work on into it now in the background, but look, it's great to actually have the copies in our hands now and um, looking forward to seeing them uh, you know, being passed on to Cork City supporters and the wider community when it's launched on Saturday. Yeah, and for the proceeds, Tony, to go to, to Marymount, it's, it's a very worthy cause as Declan said. I'm not sure there's anyone in Cork who doesn't know someone, a family member or a friend or a friend of a family member who has had to use Marymount services, so it's an incredible work they do over Marymount. 100%. That's exactly the way I was looking at it, Rory, is that everybody, no matter what, like you might have had someone immediate or, you know, in your family, but you would know somebody and everybody knows. They're just a brilliant, brilliant organisation, you know. So I've had a few family members now involved, you know, and even had the great Liam Miller there now when he was in the club, you know, I wrote a nice poem for him. And... um um, I met well. I met his mother, like, but you know, she was delighted with the poem, and the family were delighted. With it. I love stuff like that, you know. And I just think they're they're brilliant. They're brilliant. Poor old Finbar, then, you know, he, he mm. kind of was involved with Mary. You remember Finbar? Share my oh, uncle. Of course, yeah. He was involved with Mary Mary Monk as well, you know. So, um, they're just a brilliant, brilliant organisation, like you know. And there's no there'd be nobody more deserving than them, you know. So it's just a small, just a small sort of, you know, as a, as we're doing it, we may as well you know, make it uh, worthwhile doing it, you know, so. Uh, was the process yeah. easier, Declan, getting the, the, the second book out this time, considering you've got the experience of the first one? Yeah, yeah, I'd say it would, would have been, Rory, yeah. and look, we got a lot of help too as well. We had um, Martin DeBarra, Jolie Oak and Shane O'Connor on the board who um, helped with a lot of the uh, the editing and, you know, the spell checking, as Tony said earlier, like using the uh, dictation to get the poems into his phone can sometimes lead to the occasional grammar and it's spelling mistake. Accent, just yeah. Have to... yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, thanks, yeah. Thanks for that, Dickie. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, I'd say it was probably me, you know, my spelling and my, yeah. my grammar, definitely, you know. So that, look, a lot of heavy lifting there, Rory, to be honest. And then Aaron Howey, who works for uh, Cork City FC, like he did a great job on the, the cover design and the artwork. So, um yeah, I, I pieced everything together then from uh, all the the work that the lads put put in, and yeah, it, 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 we had a fair idea how much effort would be involved this time, and yeah, um, it, it, a, a much more relaxing exercise this time, I would say, than the previous time. I, I remember the first book; we got so many sample copies, and you know, yeah. myself and Tony going through them with a fine tooth comb, just finding issues and errors and things like that. So we we learned a lot of lessons from the first one, and um, yeah, we were able to piece this together in a couple of months, and. Uh, you know, it's a it's a fantastic um, 
output, I think, of all the hard work that Tony's put into the poetry and then, you know, the work in the background from a bunch of volunteers as well that are just helping do their bit for Mary Mount. As, as I said, you know, we're all, all happy to help and it's such a worthy cause. Um, and look, great to see Tony as well, proud Corkman, you know, have two published books now as well. And, you know, he's been a Forest member for so long now, Cork, Cork City supporter, Cork Hibs. Um, great to see him, you know, get his thoughts out there in the public domain as well and write such great poems. Like, I, I learned so much from reading through all the poems about the history of Cork soccer and, like, just the, the history of Cork in general. Like, Tony tells a lot of stories about his, his own childhood and growing up and uh, growing up as a Cork City fan. So, you know, I think there's something in the in the, in the the book for everyone, really. Um, and again, it's such a worthy cause as well. Um, the book will only be 20 euros and all proceeds to Marymount. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's a you know great great achievement for Tony as well. Two published books, like there's not many people in Cork can say that themselves. So not many people can say they had one published book. It's an incredible achievement, um, Tony. As we were kind of talking about inspiration and stuff like that, obviously Cork City FC and Cork football is a massive uh, source of inspiration to you when you're writing your poetry. Oh, 100 percent, um, absolutely have Cork City in my heart. You know, as Declan said, yeah, I was um, I was a Cork Hibs fan. I remember the days of the two, like I was. Um, I was kind of a young by the time about twelve, going up to thirteen or fourteen when there were when it was Celtic and Hibs, you know. And I, I'm not joking you, like fellas supporting clubs now they hear about it, you absolutely have no idea what it was like until you lived through it, you know. Um when you went to school, I remember I went into Greenwood School and in the yard, whoever when the Derby Day, you know, we'd say the Monday after the Derby Day. Like the slagging was ferocious between Hibs and Celtic. It was oh, you were either Hibs or Celtic, you know. Now fellas did have their United Liverpool and that, but I'm telling you, it was Hibs and Celtic. It was just brilliant. Now we used to have most of the bragging rights because Hibs were like far superior team than Celtic, whatever, you know. But the rivalry was there, you know. And I'm I'm telling you now, it was unbelievable. In Flower Lodge, right? The, the stadium would be full. I think there was over twenty odd thousand for there in there, and they'd be up on the roofs to the stands and all. You know, those days now there was no health and safety. Now you obviously weren't allowed up, but fellas found the way up, and they were just left there. They'd be sitting on the edge with their legs hanging over the stand, standing up there, <laughs> um, shouting down on top of whoever was below. It was it was unbelievable. Um, train loads going to matches for Rover Rovers matches. There was even a team called Drumcondra Bows. It was. Brilliant. Now, I think I think it was mostly south and north side was Hibs, mostly south side was Celtic. Even though I lived in the south side, I was a glory hunter, so I, I followed Hibs, you know. <laughs> and you could just turn up. Like, you, you don't know today, if I, if I, if my son or my grandson was 12 meters to me, I'm going down to the end of Ballant Temple there, Black Rock, for a match on your own. Jesus, it was in there. But that's what we done. We'd even walk down there, you know, or got a bus or I went on a bike and you went there and you didn't have to have a shilling in your pocket. You just stand, ask a man, can I go in with you? And then he just lift you over the stairs. So that was, you know, you didn't have to have money or anything. Yeah. So it was it was absolutely just brilliant times. And uh, my heart was broken when they went, you know. Mm. So whenever now there's a problem here with City, like there was teams after that now, there was... Um, Albert, Cork Alberts, Cork United. Yeah. I went to some of the matches, but what never, it never came back. But Cork City did whatever they did right. Um, 1984. I remember watching the first few games in Flower Lodge, and after we went out uh, uh, back to the Cross, then back to Bishopstown, things like that. And um, but yeah, 
Cox City came, got the, I got the same feeling now I had for Hibs, you know, for Cox City, like, and when they start kind of going there, you know, when things are going bad, you now like the last few years, I said, like, if it happens again, that's me out, I'd say, you know, I just couldn't, I couldn't get over it again, you know, I'd never, how could you get a feeling back like that, third time, probably couldn't, so I always said to fellas today, you know, you'd hear them having them on, clubs this, clubs that, I, like, in my head, I'm saying, you don't know what, what it's like to be, you know, in real trouble do you know what I mean so thank God we're still going and thanks to this this man here now and his friends there in the the bomb there the last you know in Forest done an amazing job said like I look at them as my heroes like Mm. you know they saved our club to just and all not for a a penny and that's what happened to our clubs long ago was they just took the money and ran you know sort of things like that and Mm. I just think they're they're, they're fantastic um, young English you know yeah. Tony, I've got remember my own old fella telling stories there. So. Uh, uh, that one, Tony told me that story before of being lifted over the gate in uh, Flower Lodge. And my old fella in his early 20s said he often lifted young fellas over the gate as well. Uh, um, told me stories. Of, sure, I could have I yeah. got lifted off by your dad. No, who when knows? Probably, who when knows? We'd bring him to a match in his later years about the cost of kids' tickets and child tickets. And he'd say, oh, sure, we used to lift fellas over the gate in Flower Lodge. So I remember when to- Tony told me that story. Is there now? He probably lifted him up <laughs> at some stage. <laughs> and you know who lifted? You know who lifted me over? And he denies it to this day. Pahili. <laughs> Go ahead. He did. He lifted me over again. He denies it, but he did because he's he's way older than me. Like, <laughs> yeah. Uh, Tony, and here, there's another thing he wouldn't know. On a month, on a Monday night, we used to go back to Flower Lodge and pay one pound. To go in and watch uh, match of the day, it was like a recording. Cool. How they done it, I don't know, because there was no just video recorders then. But there used to be a recording in the the clubhouse in Flower Lodge on Monday nights of match of the day. So we used to go back down on Monday night and pay a pound for that. Good times, good times. Yeah, uh, Tony, yeah. such a large body of work. Is there any one particular poem that kind of stands out to you as particularly special or particularly memorable? I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say, I wouldn't say that. You know, I have kind of a few favourites there now. All right, um, a few kind of personal ones now. I I wrote for Carol and things like that. You know, that'd be my wife, Carol. But the ones to my grandchildren would would always be like you know, and anything for my family. You know, my mother now and my father. I wrote poems for them. You know, so my father's dead now about five years now, so they'd be all kind of um, special to me. You know, mm. but obviously then. All, all the, uh, the Cork City ones now and I have a few about Cork as well you know the old Cork Hibs and Blood and Bandage Cork and um, Michael Collins I have one for Michael Collins so they no one particular one but um, the ones about Cork really are are, are, are kind of close to my heart you know mm. and family of course like, obviously yeah. uh, actually I have one, one one it's a very it's a very small one it was just written for all my children you know it was just a little thing about like stay in school and listen to you know, all sorts of things like that it was a very small one but that would be probably my favourite one Yeah, I said that to Declan before I think yeah live life to the full it's called Tony it's, uh, it's on the last page of the book so it's the last poem to kind of summarise the whole thing yeah. Yeah. yeah I think didn't I, I asked you to put it in the front of the end one because it was yeah yeah, yeah. Like it wouldn't probably might mean anything to anyone else but to me I every time I go and visit my grandchildren I say to them do you know the poem do you still know it and if they say it without stopping, I give them two or three euro and they know it. <laughs> so I have a bride, you know, 
they all know that one, I'm Paul. They might know anything else, but they know that one anyway, you know? That's yeah. yeah, all right, lads. The book is called Rebel Rhymes 2. It is available at the Cork City Club shop. You can get it on Amazon as well. Declan Carey, Tony Tobin, an absolute pleasure, guys. Thanks for joining us on the Big Red Bench today. Thanks a million, Rory. Thanks, your, your gentleman. And thanks, Declan. You're, oh, my, uh, you're my man. My man. Great stuff there. Diego was launched earlier this week with no shortage of controversy in Cork. It was confirmed this week that three of Cork's Munster Senior Hurling Championship games would be on the paid service. Our pal Tommy Rooney from Off The Ball was at the launch and he spoke to GAA President Larry McCarthy. Larry McCarthy, GAA President. We're here at the launch of GAA Goals coverage for 2024. A big day for the GAA? A big day for GAA, a big day for GAA Go, obviously. Um, in terms of this is our second year. Um, as I said in my comments earlier, we're not going to have a sophomore slump, which is a slight decline in quality of presentation, etc. Um, 38 games, for great value at €79. Euros. Um, lots of games would not necessarily be picked up by free-to-air, will be shown, um, including, um, I suppose, the two games outside of Ireland, one in Ryslip and one in New York, which is obviously I'm being a bit parochial in making that comment, but, you know, I was a delight to see coverage for those two particular games. I suppose the reception last year and the manner in which it went down, was that frustrating for the GA? Well, I think what, what happened was that it was a, we had a new service that was bedded in, bedding in and, and people didn't realise the implications of it. Um, but once they understood it and once they knew how good the quality of the, of the presentation was, they were reasonably happy at the end of the year. And so we've taken a lot of those sort of things on board. We've talked to all of our subscribers and one of the things they've come back to us and said, look, we would like a midweek show, a game. We'd like a midweek show. And so we're, we're giving them that, you know, as well as the, the, the quality of the presentation, which I think was quite creative and, and you know, if I can say that some of the presentation um, of games has become a little bit stale in, in across an awful lot of networks. Um, there was a sort of a, a creativity associated with GA Go, which we hadn't seen before. Yeah, streaming has obviously been a part of the, the GA schedule for a long time now, but I suppose the jump into it last year, the biggest kickback came from Munster Hurling Games. And you said that you listened to feedback this year in the midweek highlight show is a, is a great addition uh, what other feedback would you have taken on board last year when you're thinking about this year well in, in general people were very happy with the, with the quality of the service that they got they were happy with it, that creativity and that new sort of fresh approach which are which our analysts and our prognosticators um, they were the two things the price points they were quite happy with so we retained them um, and we found they were very very good value and obviously the 10% reduction we give to um, members and we give it free to care care institutions as well they were very happy with that yeah so um you know, some of the comments last year would have been from Alan Dillon, say, a player who's played here in Crow Park numerous times now at TD, would have been an invisible barrier for the elder generation. Is it just something that can't be avoided or is that something you would have been frustrated about? Well, I mean, I think what it was it needed to bed in and people needed to get familiar with how, how this whole system worked and how GAGO GA operated but at the end of the year I think based on the, on the feedback we got from those servers people were quite happy about the whole thing you know but I mean it, it takes it's like the championship it's like the new championship it's going to take time to bed in the, so people get familiar with it so they can use it and it's just you know part and parcel of the landscape ultimately but it does take that little time and so inevitably when you introduce something new there's going to be a frustration around it in terms of our appreciation of it and we said the consumer's appreciation of it yeah will it go down well in Cork that there's three months around Robin Games behind the the subscription service I'm sure it will at, at, at the end of the day it will I mean the, the two of those games I believe on Sunday, are on Sundays and RTE picked two other games so if we don't show the games well they're not going to be shown in terms of uh, your tenure as GA presidency how are you reflecting on your, your three years 
Well, I've always said, or I've, <laughs> virtually since I started, it was the best job I ever had in my life. Um, I've thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, it's been go, go, go. Um, and, you know, it was well worth moving to Ireland for three years to take up the role. And I'm delighted I absolutely did it. Um, you know, I'll, I'll miss it at some level. At another level, I won't because it's, it, it's such, you know, you you're, are constantly on the go. But without a doubt, without a shadow of a doubt, it's been the best job I ever had. You've obviously, you, you mentioned how busy it was the three years, and I'm sure um, you'll miss plenty of it as well. What would you like your legacy to be as GA president? Oh, I'll let somebody else write that. I'll let somebody else write that legacy. I'm, not, I, I'm too close to it to, sit, to the, determine um, what my individual legacy might be. And it's just finished in Parky Cueve. Cork 422, Galway 24 points. Good statement of intent there from the Rebels. You're not going to win the All-Ireland this early, but uh, certainly a good, good start. Um, well, delighted Larry got a good laugh out of the whole thing. Three out of the four games behind the paywall is fairly disgraceful, in my opinion. People online are saying, well, just go to the games then. But for certain people out there, the elderly, uh, the Cork diaspora uh, worldwide, that's just not feasible. Uh, I believe it possibly could have been a financial decision. What county has the strongest fan base? Cork. We put three of the four hurling games behind the paywall so people of the strongest fan base and of a sizable population will feel pressured into buying GAA Go. Also, if we beat Limerick in the Munster football, the Cork versus Kerry semi-final will then also be on GAA Go. So you'd also think we, we probably do win that one and that's straight away four games uh, on GAA Go. People might not bother if it's only one or two but they certainly will feel pressured with the majority of the games behind the wall. I reached out to both the GAA and GA go, go during the week uh, over email to try to get somebody to come on and explain to the people of Cork the decision. No response. Uh, so I then went and rang the GA who said I might get a call back next week uh, about it. But uh, a call I probably won't be expecting, but we certainly live in hope. Uh, former Cork star Owen Cadigan, an analyst on GA Go, also spoke to Tommy. Owen Cadigan, are you excited yet sitting here on a Monday in December when it's freezing about the 2024 Hurling Championship? Yeah, it's hard to get your head around thinking about the 2024 Championship uh, but I suppose in a in a month's time uh, teams are going to be starting off the early season competitions um, a lot of teams are back in training probably heavy at the moment so um, you know, I'd prefer to be sitting here with a warm jacket on than to be out uh, running laps and lifting weights The uh, 2023 season for Cork was, was probably a funny one it's fair to say what do you think they need to do next year to, to just get back on track I think the big thing is the Munster Championship as a whole it's, it's a minefield in terms of who can actually qualify from their groups um, the teams are so level um, I think for Cork obviously Pat Ryan and his management team are in year two um, you know coming in your first year you might have certain philosophies or thoughts on certain players and individuals and I think you learn a huge amount in your year one and I think Pat will learn a lot Um the underage success with the 20s under Ben O'Connor will obviously be a huge positive for Cork and there'll be certainly players come from that group uh, and I suppose ultimately the job will be to try to integrate those players throughout the National League um, and see if they can cope with the demands of senior and count hurling. Can you give us a hurler that you're excited to see in 2024? Yeah uh, wouldn't be like a Cork guy to be biased would it? Um, I think Mial Mullins will be a very promising prospect. Um, physically, he has all the attributes to fit into a half-back line, into a midfield role. Um, he showed that he has the hurling capability at under-20s this year. Um, him with a half-back line of Kieran Joyce, both of those players would be incredibly exciting, I think, from a Cork perspective. Um, I asked Bubbles earlier, I'm not going to tell you what he said, 
which two counties won't get out of the Munster Round Robin group so can I get your prediction I'm not going to ask you for an All-Ireland winner this is what I want to hear this is worse who's not going to get out of Munster Um ah oh, jeez Tommy come on Owen that's actually tougher than trying to call the All-Ireland winner Um I think Waterford and Tip maybe okay. but again interesting that's okay no 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 yeah. this is this is punditry <laughs> uh, a bit of a bit of a sideways one for you um, as a man who's played both codes what do you make of the state of football at the minute um, I think there's obviously been a huge amount to talk about maybe how negative football has been played um, I think that the ideology of just bringing bodies back clogging up space I think anyone can do that um, I think from a positive perspective for football the game between Trillick and Scottstone there recently was incredible um, the transition from defence to attack uh, epitomised how football needs to be played um, I think that anyone that's playing football has the athleticism is have you the capability you now to kick the ball and get up and support um, and I think that game was a standout game for 2023 and a positive for football um, I think there'll be possibly a more expensive brand of football in 2024 Thanks Owen Tommy Rooney speaking to Owen Cadigan there you're listening to the Big Red Bench on Cork's Red FM we'll be right back after these Miss the show grab the Big Red Bench podcast at redfm.ie Cork's Red FM Welcome back to the Big Red Bench with me, Dan Casey. Aston Villa have the halftime lead at home to Arsenal this evening. Tom Ross reporting us, reporting for us from Villa Park. Aston Villa won, Arsenal nil. Villa started the better, Arsenal finished the stronger. It was Villa who took the lead midway through the half. A wonderful effort. Bailey got inside, sent a lovely little ball to John McGinn, the skipper who spun and smashed it past the keeper, Raya. It looked like Arsenal had equalised when Martinelli chased through, got in behind Villa's defence. Martinez came out to try and deny him. He clipped it over him. He was heading towards the net, but Diego Carlos race to clear it off the line Arsenal have had one or two other opportunities so have Villa great game Aston Villa 1 Arsenal 0 yeah Villa with 14 straight wins at home an absolutely incredible record will it be 15 that'll be a huge win for them uh, Munster lead Bayonne at halftime in their Champions Cup meeting this evening Jonathan Higgins has the halftime report from Thoman Park it's halftime in Thoman Park where Munster lead Bayonne by 14 points to 3 in cold and blustery conditions, it was the French side who initially started the better and took the lead with an early penalty in the fifth minute. Munster settled when, however, with Shea McCarthy scoring a try ten minutes into his European debut, the Limerick native finishing off a well-worked team move. Gavin Coombs added his side a second try 11 minutes later, going over from close range. Munster have been sloppy in times, but head in at the interval with 11-point advantage in this opening round European Champions Cup Pool 3 encounter. Half-time score, Munster 14, Bayonne 3. Uh, great stuff in Thomond. Probably the highlight of the show for me anyway. It was a pleasure to catch up with Killer Matters captain Gerard Golden and of course manager John Evans earlier today. I was talking to them about their clash versus Munger St. Paul's tomorrow in the AIB Munster Intermediate Club Championship Final. They've had a hard campaign, but I'm highly confident they'll get the job done in Mallow at half one tomorrow. Get down and support them if you can. Here's me talking to the lads. Enjoy. Tomorrow, the big one. Kilimartra playing Munger St. Paul's of Limerick. Half one tomorrow in Mallow in the AIB Club Intermediate Munster Football Final. Delighted to be joined here with manager John Evans and captain Gerard Golden. John, when you said uh, when you came in two seasons ago, you said, I never imagined it at the start of the season. Not at all where you are right now. 
how impressed you are your side? Yeah, absolutely. Dan, look, uh, there's no way you could imagine that you'd get to a monster final, you know, in a short time like that. Um, I, I, we did have our sights set last year in winning the county. We became a cropper to to um, Kentork after extra time, and uh, we sat the vice boss. Um, we were we could have this excuse and that excuse, but uh, Kentork was the better team on the day. And they beat us by a pint, as I say, after extra time. That sort of honed us a small bit. It um, it made us lock in that bit more. It made us uh, find out where our frailties were, what went wrong. And uh, and this year we tried to rectify that. So we still had only one thing in sight, and that was to win the party, uh, Dan. And um, I suppose that's how it emanated. That's how it transpired. And... Uh, with some right tough battles along the way, which really prepared us for the the final against Bantry. And was that always the main goal, just to get to that county final and hopefully win it? Nothing else, absolutely nothing else. Because look, when you have the likes of Eve Lera and Bantry and um, you know Kilshanig, they were huge last year and again this year. They were hit with injuries. When you have those teams around and Castletown Bear. You know, you 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 know that anybody can beat anybody at any time. So, look, you have to be on your guard. You have to be at your best, and uh, it's all in the day. First and foremost, though, John, how does a Kerry man uh, end up ma- managing a Cork side? <laughs> it was a strange one, actually. Um, I was almost destined to go to another club in Kerry, and. Um, um uh, this this um, friend of mine he asked me would I mind taking a phone call from uh, a couple of lads from Kilnamatra. So I said, Jesus, I've never even been to Kilnamatra. So um here and Tomaso Morocco, the the both of them said that they would I even sit down with them and I said, Look, okay, where are you? And they told me they were outside Bellavone and uh, I said, I'm driving my son up to UCC to college on Saturday, and I'll call in. Where, how will I meet you? I met them, and um, I, I sat down with the two lads. They were really honest, really forthright, and above all, then they were really passionate about their club. Um, they took me for a walk down to the field, and then I suppose the thing that really swayed me was that they both told me that that the players had built their own gym. I went down, looked at the gym. It's about 70 foot long and about 35 foot wide. And by God, if players do that, I said, these guys are interested. So I asked for a couple of videos. I looked at them and I said, you know, I didn't agree with the game they were playing at all at all. And uh, from there I took it, I says, I just took them. They were country lads. And I suppose the last thing then, then that really swayed me is that when I started out training teams, my first team was a country team, a team called Naknagashal in North Kerry. And uh, I think I got 100% support from them. Uh, they were easier to handle. And I knew that Kilnamatra didn't have a hurling club. And I said, you know something, I, I, I'm going to go with these these boys. That was it. God, he might be a, a wanted man down in Kerry. Garrod will, will, will bring you into it now. Um, I mean, your own gym, building your own gym, that's a serious statement of intent there from y'all. How did that come about? Yeah, I suppose it was um, just kind of a few players kind of came about and came together and 
John, the way football's kind of gone these days, you kind of strength and conditioning is probably a big part of it and things. So, John being a small club, I suppose it's kind of player driven a lot of it, and I suppose it helped too that we had a lot of good tradesmen that were willing to put time and effort into it on the team. Like they took the brunt of the work on themselves and things, and everyone pitched in all right. But there, are, we were blessed in a way that we had a lot of tradesmen that could give time and things and the lads like myself that mightn't have as many skills like that kind of pitched in as good as we could but yeah it was a good effort by everyone all around Always handy what main changes did uh, John bring into the squad with him? Um, I suppose it's kind of it's hard to kind of pinpoint exactly where the changes came from but like over time there we kind of he developed his system that he brought into play and things and Probably, I suppose, the big thing is probably the kind of a winning mentality, I suppose, that he brought and kind of, John, he's a proven track record and he brought kind of a lot of experience and success, I suppose, at club and county level. So I suppose kind of implementing his system and things kind of gave us a belief and kind of that we could um, push on and probably get over the line. Kind of, I think he brought us kind of a a hard edge kind of a winning mentality to the main kind of thing that I think that he brought to us really. Yeah, just picking up then, hard, hard edge. You beat a very strong uh, outfit in the Bantry Blues by one point in Parky Cueve, scoring four points in the last five minutes to take the victory. John, like, how do you go cr- about creating such a strong mental fortitude in the side? Well, I suppose uh, there's no doubt about it. If you have knocks and uh, when you're two points up against Kentork and you're going into injury time and uh, you allow them draw with you, um, that's that's a lesson in itself and when you're a point up in extra time and you're going into injury time and uh, you lose the game that's that's definitely a, uh, something that make, makes you search your soul search your mind and say hey what happened there that we didn't finish out the game so I thought you know we had a great good battle with Kilshanig this year and uh, it finished in a draw and again, they were a good, strong, physical side, good footballers, very impressed by them. And uh, we, we, we came back and we took, took over. Um, so, look, um, I think in preparation for the Bantry game, that, that edge was there in us, you know, that fight. Uh, that it, you have to experience the fight going down the line and certainly in fact in that last game against Bantry we had seven attacks to their one and we got three, uh, three four points out of it so um, we had fresh legs as well and I'd say one of the things that we certainly certainly improved from last year is that we have a bigger panel more competition and that certainly um, gave us a, a, a tougher edge on the training field as well yeah and that mental strength also needed against uh, the heavy favourites Milltown Castle Main in the Munster semi-final uh, that seemed to be uh, a bit of a fiery one John was it well I tell you it, it, it looked that way but God I thought that the, 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 the tackles were superb the cards don't really reflect uh, you know firing they were incidents really more than anything else um but the pace of the game was electric. The, the the tackling was was ferocious. The 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 speed of the game and the speed of thought by both teams was was electric. And both defences were standing very stout and stern and not giving much away. And um, 
But as for, I thought that uh, Derek O'Mahony, the referee, uh, you know, he, I thought he had an excellent game, kept real control over the game. And when a referee keeps good control over the game, look, you can push as hard as you like what within the rules, you know. And that's what we did really against Milltown Castlemaine. <clears throat> well, both teams finishing uh, that one with 13 aside, I believe. Garrod, what's, uh, what's the last week been like really down in Kilimanjaro? Big support. Yeah, sure. It's kind of it's just rolled down since the county final. Really, the whole village is kind of blue and white now at the moment. Like everyone seems to be after buying into it. Ever, I suppose the two big home games that we had in the Munster Championship. Really, it's after the whole parish is kind of after buying into the tournament and kind of getting behind the team. So yeah, this week it's just been it's just been building nicely. Really, now till Sunday. Like. There, are, there are signs you're going to big bring a big uh, crowd to Mallow tomorrow. Um, I I'd expect a big crowd from Kilimanjaro. Yeah, all right. Like any games that we play there throughout the whole year, there's always a big following for us. So I couldn't see why this game would be any different. Yeah, and how is the squad feeling about uh, the game tomorrow against uh, Munger St Pauls? Yeah, no, the squad seemed to be seemed to be ready. We um we did our usual kind of prep this week, and it's another game. Like we know, it's going to be a tough game see it being a very close kind of physical game we're kind of not sure what way the weather will be and things but whatever way things fall we'll kind of be ready for it I suppose yeah what what do you say as the biggest strengths on your team um, I suppose we're kind of very well-rounded team I suppose we like we have plenty of football skill and things and now I suppose over the last kind of two years there what we've been building that we spoke about there the kind of mental fortitude and things like that that you know when it kind of gets the tight nitty gritty points in championship games which I'd see this happening next Sunday we kind of seem to be improving and the more the pressure ramps up the kind of more of a reaction we seem to get from our players then say we've plenty of impact coming in from the bench and things so I'd say that's probably our main strength really a strong squad and kind of strong mentality John, how do you see tomorrow going? Yeah, we're expecting a really, really tough game. Of course, this is a very much improved, improving, um, uh, uh, what you call it, uh, team. And uh, I think that they're they're the big physical team. They're a strong team, and uh, you know, Mungret are, I suppose, more than anything else, they they apparently that they've. They've uh, improved immensely at underage and they're bringing through some young, fast players as well. So, look, and whoever's coaching them has done a really good job with them. So, I, I, I think then that it's going to be a tough, tight game and uh, that's what we're expecting. You know, weather conditions, we, do, we don't know. We do, all we know is that it's going to be really windy. So, look, it's who adapts to the conditions, who who can play it out to the end, I suppose, more than anything else. Um, but one last thing I'd like to say about Kilshani, we're talking about the team there, sorry, about Kil, Kilnamatra, sorry, uh, is that um, the two games we have at home have really, really, you know, the amount of, of stewarding we had, the amount of people outside of the players, the amount of, that was involved in the Kilmihill game, uh, which was a, a rehearsal for the... Uh, the Milltown Castle main game. It sort of brought in the whole parish together. I think we had 45 stewards for the Milltown Castle game, Milltown Castle main game. And that sort of has encapsulated a huge 
parish spirit and just the amount of ladies that are working and, uh, you know, doing the shop and all this sort of thing. It, it really brought the whole lot together, those two games at home. And, of course, there was a huge pride of the parish and uh, certainly people know where Kilnamatra is and it isn't just through Noel O'Leary anymore. It's uh, about this team that has come through and won a county final and aiming to try and win a Munster final. Very good. It seems to be a very um, family-orientated club. Is that fair to say? Oh, absolutely. Look, I mean, if you hit one fella in, in Kilnamatra, you hit about 100 because they're all related. They're all neighbours. <laughs> There's no shop in the place. There's the, what you call it. If you have to go to McCroom or someplace or Bellavoni for a, a pint of milk. And, you know, this sort of thing is that it makes for a really local, warm, tight-knit community. And God, I love working with with that type of situation. I'm sure you'll do their, your best to uh, pay the people back tomorrow. Lads, thanks so much. John Evans, their manager of Kill and Martra, and of course, Gerard Golden, the captain, uh, playing St. Munger St. Paul's of Limerick tomorrow. Half one in Mallow. Lads, thanks so much for joining me. Thanks, Dan. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, Dan. Cheers, lads. Have a good one. Best of luck to them, and of course, best of luck to Castlehaven, who are in the Munster Senior Football uh, Club Championship tomorrow in the Gaelic Grounds. That one kicking off at two against a very strong Dingle side. Should be very interesting indeed. Uh, sticking with football, the Cork footballers defeated Mead 3 12 to 1 9 in Parky Cueves today in the first of the Teddy McCarthy Memorial Games. Uh, the other being the hurling. The result there was Cork, of course, 4 22, and then it was uh, Galway 24 points. Uh, I certainly wouldn't be reading too much into these results given how early it is but always good to get in the habit of winning games and use it as a chance to try new things uh, Ian Maguire footballer heading high up into the full forward line at times could prove uh, very interesting slash valuable come championship time here's uh, Banished Door John Cleary speaking to Dylan O'Connell well John uh, it's a perfect way to honor Terry McCarthy today great win over Mead what are your thoughts? look I suppose um both teams were a bit rusty the first half there and, and uh, I suppose look, Meat had the win the first half and didn't use it due to rustiness probably um, uh, second and by half time it was the goal you know it was a good goal to get there before half time and, and the second half I think uh, the wind helped us and we were happy enough with the run around uh, a lot of fellas there now put up their hands today and um, you know they want to be part of this panel going forward and, you know as I said we'd, we'd be happy enough with it but look we'd be under no illusion that you know Meat meet had a skeleton team there today but it was a good run around this time of the year and mad, fellas are mad for matches we're two and a half weeks training there now and just normally you wouldn't get a match now and this time of the year until um, until after Christmas so it's good to have a match under their belt and, and uh, hopefully now that we might get another challenge match before the McGrath Cup and, and drive on for the new year That's it like it's probably the perfect opportunity I suppose today to try new players new systems yeah. yourself uh, like there's no pressure that's the McGrath Cup it's a perfect all route for the Cork yeah, without a doubt, yeah. As I said, look, uh, the majority of those lads have been training there on their own uh, because they were out of club championship and they got programmes. And, and in fairness, they came back in reasonably good shape and we'd have been happy with that. And we decided, look, anyone that was had a good number of weeks training, they'll be thrown in today. Um, we're obviously down a few injury lads and the Castlehaven lads. So, um, overall, look, those lads proved that they had 
done the work over the the, the close period and, and they were ready today, you know, to play ball even though we were rusty in the first half and the second half was, was, was fine, you know. Yeah, and I suppose, how, like for yourself then, why, what, what would it actually like as preparing for this game? Because, you know, it's a friendly game but also you want to, you know, go with a competitive edge especially with the day that's in it. Uh, yeah, without a doubt. Look, when you go into the stadium here and, and, and any day you go out and, and play, um, you want to perform as best you can. And look, these lads are fighting for jerseys. They're fighting for places in the panel. They're fighting for places in the team. And um, so we just, you know, you don't take it easy in these matches. And they're all competitive lads. We're all competitive ourselves. And, and they know there that, you know, come the 1st of January, um, that there'll be places up for grabs. And, and, and those lads today, a lot of them, you know, are, are putting up their hands and saying look oh, we want to be part of this and great to see the team getting scores well with the likes of Stephen Sherlock and Brian Hurley yeah without a doubt yeah, yeah. Um, look you know they, as I said um, all those forwards are good forwards with their clubs as well you know uh, Conor Corbett Big uh, Murphy um, uh, Chris Oak Jones like they're all top top players with their club and, and it's the case look they hadn't uh, Stephen Sherlock and Brian Hurley's to lean on today so they had to stand up and be counted and I think they did like and but look I temper it with it maybe as I said um, Meat didn't have their, their strongest team or anywhere near it so uh, but having said that it was a good run round we're happy enough with it and uh, roll on the new year John I'm, I'm sorry I was late to the party yeah. you must have been pleased enough with that yeah pleased enough yeah yeah. look uh, we won't be very overboard about it or anything and I said it said Meat didn't have um you know, missing missing probably half their their, their lineup and then look but we can only play what it was in front of us and, and uh, we won't be getting overly excited in the first week of December yeah. or anything. Uh, but like we asked for this look at put their hands up and fairness we could have did today so all in all we'd be happy enough with that what are you looking for at this time of year it's this early two and a half weeks into training what are you looking for well, we, 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 what we're trying to do is build a panel because we know when it comes next year that if you haven't maybe 25 players ready to play um, that's you know you're going to get injuries there's going to be fellas out and, and, and the next fella has to step in and has to be ready to step in and, uh, you know and that's what maybe this time of the year is about last year we didn't get any chance really at the start of the year you couldn't play challenge games in December uh, we went into the Murray Cup we really wanted to win it it wasn't a time for experimenting and the next thing was the league and every game was white to the left because it said it, 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 it showed where we were going to be in the championship and then the championship came so uh, we were able to take a small bit of a breather now in this game now and, and uh, I said the rack up maybe isn't as important to us this year as was last year and we'll be giving fellas uh, a chance there to put their hands up and hopefully we'll have a stronger panel by the time the league and the championship comes Are there guys there who you'd pick out who I suppose are put their hand up kind of having not been as involved last year yeah I suppose look the, the, the newer fellas there Derek Ashman now probably was his first start um, you know there for Cork uh, Kevin Flav has been out for two years there with Cruciate um, uh, Paul Walsh maybe hasn't got a lot of opportunity um, and Phil uh, Herley he, he, he won't be in Blake Murphy um, you know those type of guys there that they um, they had previously maybe started for Cork and um you know, so it was an opportunity for them, and in fairness, I thought they all did well, you know. Mm. Yeah, one and five for Blake Murphy today, John, you must have been pleased with his performance. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's no doubt that Blake has, 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 has had it, you know, improved at the club level. And, um, you know, again, as I said, we, we, we want to build a panel there, and just as great, we will have competition for places, a few lads missing today. Look, you know, come next year in the league and the championship, there'll be fellas missing as well, and the, the likes of those goes, hopefully we'll be able to step in or, or, or even start at that stage and that's what we're looking for. And just, I'm not sure, does Sean and Kevin, were they injuries or were they kind of minor? Or 
country. Yeah, yeah, we're not, there have been Cessna there and then John, we're, we're not sure yet, and uh, I think Kevin nicked his shoulder as well, so um, we, we kind of, we, we, we won't know tomorrow really. Yeah. Yeah. With all the muscles. Yeah. I think so, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. We must be delighted with the first half performance, John, against a, a gale of a wind. Yeah, look, I, I, I suppose, look, in fairness, me came down from today, like, and, and uh, you know, it wasn't probably easy to get off the bus or whatever and go and play. We had that advantage of, you know what I mean, we relaxed this morning and the lads just came here and we didn't have to do that travel, so, um, and I think, uh, you know, we, we probably on another day would have needed to use that wind and, uh, look, we were a bit sharper at times at time, at times there in the first half and, and uh, so I think maybe, look, that's probably the reason for it. And just one on the, I suppose, the occasion. I know you're represented in the, the lineup of the Nice United team there at half time. Did you get a chance to kind of meet up and enjoy the evening now? Yeah, sure, I'll go upstairs now, and, and I suppose uh, the lads are, are, are going well now at this stage, hopefully. So they've been here since half past 12, so um, we go up now, and I'm sure they'll be slagging me and everything about the performance. But um, look, we, it's, it's great. We'll be able to meet up with the, the lads there now, and, and, and on the occasion it is. Look, uh, everyone got an awful shock this year, you know, with, with Teddy, like, you know, he was a great friend to us all. Um, particularly their club matches, we used every club match, he used to meet their county match, and you'd always meet him. He's a great friend, uh, and, on, you know, it was unfortunately his death was so untimely, and look, this is something small to, 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 to mark his life and to mark his uh, football and hurling life, and we were delighted to be part of it. And, um, He's, he's such a loss to everyone and, and, and that's the sad thing about it mm. Just a final one for me John to move back up now against Clare um, three, four weeks time it's only under corner It is, yeah mm. yeah, yeah, yeah um, January Yeah uh, look, like every J team now you know um, there's no real downtime Christmas isn't the same as Christmas for you know for all of us that are involved in this uh, but uh, that's the way it has to be because you know come January got hit the ground running uh, we have to go up to Clare there do you know it's tough ass there on a, on a Wednesday night the first couple of days in January but look that's that's the way things are and uh, every game you go to learn things and I'm sure that that could be no different uh, you know and, uh, when we head up there okay. well done to all at Parky Cueve just to wrap things up it's still Aston Villa 1 Arsenal in their Premier League clash Munster 17 Bay on 10 that is me, Dan Casey, for the evening here on the Big Red Bench. Sarah will be bringing you all of the sporting action from around the Rebel County tomorrow, including the Kildare Martyr and Castlehaven games, as well as a Glanmire Ladies Football final preview. Chat to you next week and hopefully a Diego representative as well. Stevie G is on the way next. The Big Red Bench. Saturday and Sunday from 6 p.m. Corks Red FM.